Hey all you gals and guys, Grayson Parker Marcotte here with episode 2 of my brand new number 1 Wednesday series. If you're surprised that I made it to episode 2, I assure you that no one is more astounded than I. I'll go y'all one further and, with great pleasure, inform you that I'll be discussing The Walking Dead number 1 with my friend Hollywood Steve Spratling of the Dead and Lovely Horror Movie Podcast. Steve is a hell of a guy and a huge comic fan, so I am stoked to share this with everybody. I hope y'all enjoy it. Steve, are you there? Yeah, hey, what's up? Oh man, just the same old bullshit. It's Sunday night and I'm just uh, so thrilled to be able to go to bed soon and get up and uh, hit, the old, hit the old work wagon. Ooh boy, that sounds fun. Sounds like a blast. Well, you know, it can be. <laughs> It can be at times, um, but that's that's neither here nor there. I'm very pleased that you were able to join me again this evening, so so thank you. Yeah, no problem, man. I uh, I had a lot of fun last time, and I like to talk. Hey, that makes two of us, <laughs> yeah. so so we'll be good to go. Uh, speaking of talking, we will be talking The Walking Dead, issue mm. number one. Uh, how do you feel about that, Steve? I'm great with that. I um, I'm a big fan of the comic book series and i have actually uh taught about the walking dead in a university setting so i think i have a little bit to talk about now that is interesting was it the walking dead specifically no uh i taught a class on the undead at the university uh. of tennessee and uh did a particular day on the walking dead specifically about uh the emotional element of the undead because i think uh-huh. the walking dead does a really good job of portraying both the uh, emotional impact it has on the people to see their loved ones uh killed by the undead and also to see their loved ones become the undead hell yeah that's that's got to be harrowing and you see that happen in a lot of different ways uh, throughout the genre, yeah. the way that, that people react to it. Yeah, um, for sure. I will say, though, that I think The Walking Dead has been my favorite portrayal of that. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly, well, for reasons that we'll get into, for sure. Yeah. Um, but I, I got to ask, I I know that from, from having listened to your show, uh-huh. uh, Dead and Lovely. Oh, right. I have another um, podcast. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Dead and Lovely. Yeah. Oh, well, actually, you know what? Before we get into that, I have to ask, have you and Ben had like the, uh, have you guys had like the Metallica, Voivod conversation, you know, like, uh, did, was there a band meeting? Like, now what if, what if Legacy of Brutality gets bigger uh-huh. than Dead and Lovely? Uh, that's a uh highly unlikely considering it has been on a month-long hiatus after only three episodes uh but man i mean uh, if it did basically we would uh just have been co-host legacy of brutality steve where can people find you on the social medias check us out at dead lovely pod on twitter and instagram uh we're on uh, facebook facebook.com forward slash dead and lovely and patreon patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely head on over there yeah, dude. Uh, and for for our listeners that that aren't familiar, um, you you have a separate podcast yeah. from Dead and Lovely, Legacy yeah. of Brutality. Right. Yeah. It's uh, what what is that all about? It's a history of horror cinema podcast. Uh, it is 
uh, for me, very research intensive, a whole lot of, of watching old movies and reading old articles about old movies. Uh, it's re it's really interesting to read film critics from the 1940s and the way they wrote, but uh, it's also, it takes a lot of time. So uh, the first three episodes were, you know, I did the, the really early origins in yeah. the silent film era, and then I got into the, the better horror films of the silent film era and the, the move to sound. And then the most recent episode was uh the the universal monsters which yeah. man they had they really milked that uh franchise and keep trying to milk yeah. it yeah <laughs> yeah i was going to say it's yeah. not it wasn't like a past tense no it uh, just attempt. keeps happening <laughs> oh jesus much like the shambling undead yep <laughs> themselves yeah so um so you taught this this class now was this the the university of tennessee in knoxville yeah yeah, uh, okay. it, was, it was a class for freshmen, a composition course uh, spe specifically focused on researching the undead. Um, my my lesson plans were basically, you know, uh, I would have them read or or watch some sort of zombie vampire, um, you know, uh, uh, we did Frankenstein, we did. Mm -hmm. um, you know several other seminal undead films uh and we also i even did a section and considered doing vision because of this i even did a section on uh what i consider the opposite end of the spectrum of undeath which is unlife and that is that is a, a body that never had life having life now uh that because is intense yeah, well, and you know, you, you get it with vision specifically is a creation of a body before the the insertion of life. It's uh, it, it, we also talked about the you know the the idea of like how CG can be just just approaching that exact replication of reality, the uncanny valley where right. it's almost lifelike enough, but not enough like life that it just sort of freaks us out yeah uh, yes yeah. It, it does very yeah. much so so in point of fact but yeah one of the main things that was interesting to me uh in talking about the undead is that we at the time that i was teaching this it was really like at the height of that uh zombie revival we had right. in the late 2000s early 2010s and it really was about that uh, fear everyone had around that time. It was a financially uncertain time and people mm -hmm. were starting to get fearful. And when people get fearful, they start thinking about society collapsing. And when society is collapsing, that's a perfect time to start inserting zombies. So yeah. very smart writer. I mean, you know, uh, this, the, the Walking Dead came out in 2003 is a, a little it may have been one of the contributing factors to that zombie boom sure uh, but that that feeling of uncertainty matched with the idea of undeath which is uncertainty itself which is a, a, a living body without the thing that we uh, 
associate with that spark of life that spark of humanity like it's so uncertain it's like you know your your relative is dead and now you're seeing them again it's all about this uncertainty so the the zombie um the zombie like wave kind of always relies on uncertainty um and then when you get into times like now for instance where it's beyond uncertainty to um absurdity like Mm -hmm. people are just tired of zombies (laughs) people don't want to see it because now we're into the absurd we want we want just uh, probably what will happen in the near future is a resurgence of slasher types like 80s type of slashers that are just fun and stupid because people don't want anything but stupidity (laughs) we just don't want to (laughs) think well you know there's only so much you can do yep in the genre, I think, right. and and that's absolutely well. I did see a very fun picture last night. Not that it was anything new, so to say, uh, so to speak. Um, it was a uh, little monsters. Oh, with, uh, uh, yeah, I've heard about this with the. Uh... Yeah, oh, it gosh. was Josh Gad, uh, oh, Lupita yes. Nyong'o, Lupita uh, Nyong'o, and Josh Gad. Yeah, yeah, it was it was awesome. Um, okay, it, you know, I don't want to get too much into that. Uh, it it definitely it dragged in some places and and okay. could have could have done with a bit of editing but uh it was really entertaining and and much like the walking dead uh the the zombies become peripheral um okay it's just it's a thing that's happening while the story is playing out i think that's a necessity in zombie uh, zombie tales zombie movies zombie shows is always to focus on the people at the center of it because there is nothing at the center of the zombies like right. if you focus on the zombies, it's focusing on the zombies getting killed. <laughs> That's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, and and in all fairness, um, I I did say that there was only so much you could do. There was a movie called uh, Warm. I think it was called Warm Bodies. It was uh-huh. kind of yeah. like a teen yes. romance deal. With uh-huh. uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Oh gosh, what what was the gentleman's name? I cannot remember. The guy um, who played Beast. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I just watched him in something else, and I just right. can't remember his name. Uh, I think yeah, Rob Corddry was in it, too. <laughs> right, Rob Corddry is in it, yeah. Yeah, just the idea that, that uh, the, these zombies had this sort of life of their own, and that there were yeah. like, tears of zombies. That was interesting. I mean, the movie yeah. sucked, but... <laughs> you can see that in uh, Land of the Dead, right? The George mm-hmm. Romero's fourth yeah. movie. It has the zombies basically living out their lives still, like yeah. the gas attendant staying at the gas station. Uh, mm-hmm. and then also, yeah, um, the life after Beth was one that came out around the same time as warm bodies, which was also a zombie, a zombie okay. uh, uh, I didn't even know that was a term, but now I do. Thank right. you, Steve. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's got Aubrey Plaza, uh, okay. and she's great in it. She's, well, yeah, she's I'll watch awesome. that for sure. I didn't yeah, know sure. that, uh, I didn't know that was a, a film that exists, but yeah, I, th- I think it's on Hulu or Netflix. I'm not sure. I'll watch anything that she's in. She is fantastic. She is. She um, is. So I, you, you did mention Romero, and I kind of feel like we need to touch on that mm-hmm. before we talk about The Walking Dead. Yeah, for sure. Um, because I think that, and, and I, I may have my history a little backwards here, but when we're talking about zombies in a traditional sense, we're, we're talking about you know, uh, Haitian voodoo, right? Uh, the yeah. creation of, yeah. of I walked you know, with a zombie, sure. Stuff like that. Yeah, S- servants with brains for mush, right. more or less. Um, and then it wasn't until Romero just completely mm-hmm. revolutionized everything, 
mm-hmm. with with Night of the Living Dead, and then re-revolutionized yep. <laughs> uh, everything with uh, with Dawn of the Dead. And what made that fantastic is that you now have this social commentary, mm-hmm. um, and and I feel like that's necessary to talk about before you get into The Walking Dead because I feel yes. like. The Walking Dead leans very heavily on that aspect of the genre. Yes, it does. Yeah, Romero's social commentary edition, and and really, yeah, the way that he saw um, zombies represented in movies, and and I guess just conflated it with the way he saw people going through their day-to-day lives, Mm -hmm. and then said, hey, that's worth uh, commentating on through a film. Like, he he was able to associate just our, I guess, humanity's tendency towards complacency and apathy and Mm -hmm. not thinking and doing the easiest thing and and make it, you know, monstrous, Uh, which it already is, but we just don't see it because it's normalized. We see it every day, so we don't think about it. Sure. Yeah. Okay, well, I think we've kind of got we've we've set the stage, right? More or less, um, and I will be willing to bet that uh, I'd be willing to bet that a lot of people that are listening to this uh, are or at least passingly familiar with The Walking Dead and either sure. familiar with the show or the comic, yeah, or yeah. both. But we're both, yeah. I I uh, I I know that the show is what made me read the comic. Yes, same. Yeah. I was going to ask you uh, how how you came to this, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm the same way. I when I was working at a, a theater, that was around the time that uh, we, my wife and I, we started watching the show, and I think maybe we were a season and a half behind when we first mm-hmm. started watching. Okay. But all the projectionists that I worked with, they just they were absolutely apeshit about the series from Image. Yeah, and uh, and it wasn't until probably about the fourth no i'd say third or fourth season of the walking dead that i started picking up the books Uh, but i don't want to get too far into that since since there are some very stark differences between the two there are a lot of similarities but also a lot of differences um i i would say that i got my experience with the walking dead was probably um or rather i should say other people's experience with the walking dead is what i got out of preacher uh, oh, okay. When I started watching that, because I fucking love Preacher, and I've, I've read the series multiple times, it's just so goddamn crazy. Yeah. And uh, so when I watched the show, I was like, "This is it's the same but different." Like it was so. Yes. The the story changes, the character changes were all odd at times, but it really captured the essence of Preacher. Um, but it was new enough that I could keep watching it and not really be uh, disappointed or feel like I was just retreading the same material. Um, but so we've got The Walking Dead, number one, and that's going to be kind of like the springboard of, of this discussion into, um, into further discussion. And, and I want to start with how this, this issue opens. Um, I mean, first of all, it, it was published in 2003 by, by Image Comics, uh, created by Robert Kirkman. Now he gets the creator credit, um, but I was led to believe that uh, it was Colonel Tony Moore, the artist of the first six issues um, of The Walking Dead, that co-created that with Kirkman. I know there's some weirdness surrounding 
that former partnership and and where the credit yeah. goes. But that's that's the biz for you, right? Yeah, yeah. There, you know, there, there's a little that's not clear there, and that's probably because of the settlement that they have. There's likely sure. some non-disclosure agreements, but. Yeah, that Tony Moore worked on the first six and then did covers for I think up until like issue twenty four or something. It was a good little while. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> yeah, he 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 probably had a bigger hand in it than we currently know for sure. But oh uh, sure, he definitely yeah, and- he definitely gave it the the look that yes. the comic books have. Absolutely. Um, and that's that's another really big part of The Walking Dead that kind of kind of sucked me in. He's got a very gritty style. Yep. Um, and I hate to use the term gritty because I, I feel like it's overused, especially in terms of film these days. Like sure. All the gritty reboots. Sure. Uh, that we get, but it is gritty. Like you, it almost it feels like you can like in a tactile way uh, feel the dirt. In, yes. Yeah. In this scenario. It's got um, a good slick slickness to it too, though. It's it's got that like um, I like the the grittiness, but it also like the inks on it are really nicely well defined. It, well, like nice light dark, uh, you know, uh, contrast. I sure. But yeah, you you see like just real dumb like. Even saying the the third panel on the first page, the the redneck guy with the shotgun, just like mm-hmm. how scraggly he is. Uh, but then, like just below that, you see Shane and Rick, like they're they're because they're supposed to be polished cops. Their right. hair is like perfectly in place, and everything is like nicely squared off. It's I really like the way he did it. Absolutely, I think that between the pencils and the inks, you the way that he plays with those shades of gray like the, yeah. the gray scale i think mm-hmm. is what gives it that look yeah um and uh, that's something that i've really come to appreciate in very recent years actually probably because my wife has been doing a lot of work in grayscale, so i've oh, yeah. been pay- cool. paying more attention to it so um that that probably has the most to do with that um and then that uh tony moore of course he he did the art in the books and on the covers as you said before uh charlie adlard took over mm-hmm. I think after issue six, maybe. I think um, so, yeah. And uh, very, very similar in style, but uh, definitely, I would say where you spoke about the smoothness, I think he mm-hmm. takes that to the next step. Yeah, it um, is a lot smoother and cleaner after that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so the way that this opens is uh, is very cool in that, Right off the bat, the the lead character Rick Grimes is established as a as a police officer. Mm-hmm. Uh, his partner Shane is uh, they're parked across a, a, a two lane road, um, attempting to stop what uh, what appears to be someone who escaped from prison and, yeah. and hijacked a vehicle. So you you get this this really sort of ominous tension immediately. Yeah, um, and <laughs> the action. I, I mean, it's it's right out of the gate. I mean, I think yeah. it's it's maybe the bottom of the the first page or maybe the second where Rick gets a hole blown in his side. Yeah. Because the guy's like, I'm not going back to prison. I'll die first. Yeah, he gets off three shots in that first page. Like, it's a lot. Of, I mean, the first yeah. panel, there's a boom. It's it's action from the beginning. And uh, 
it's it's a perfect way to start it i mean the show does it a little bit slower gives us sure. more of an introduction to sh- but you can do that in television with right. comic books i mean these first four pages of the the first issue establish the main character his friend and the world they're in yeah and All whether or not quickly. you're going to keep turning the pages. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I it, mean, it's got to keep you. Yeah, that's what a comic book, especially that first issue, has got to keep you at every page, every panel. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, now that you mention it, I think that he, uh, the the convict, the escapee, he actually shoots the gun out of Shane's hand. He does, uh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which is just, I, I don't think it was on account of accuracy on his no, part. No, just accident, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's not a good not a good spot to be in. Uh, no. But yeah, that bottom panel, Rick's chest is just blown open. So you turn mm-hmm. the page, and y- it's almost like you see this, and you draw your breath in, and yeah. then you turn the page, and Rick gasps in his hospital Yeah, room. Yeah, uh, great action. That was... Yes, that was masterful. Um, mm-hmm. You just get the briefest notion or glimpse into what this, what was going on in this man's life um, before he woke up. And to me, that's just astounding because you got this guy who, who wakes up in a hospital bed, no idea what's going on. And immediately he's in this very brutal world, whereas... The last thing he knew was a moment of brutality, and mm-hmm. that to me it, it fucks with my head. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a big shift. It's like uh, you get this emotional whiplash, which brings you perfectly into his mindset. Like you really get the character because you you've uh, you've gone from where he went. He that's the exactly. last bit he remembers, and this is the first bit he remembers now. Yeah, and uh, and I gotta say about Rick Grimes. Now, I, I've built more of, I guess, an understanding and empathy with the character of Rick Grimes as he as he's portrayed by Andrew Lincoln. Yeah. Um. Same. But I I will say that uh, I love this guy, and I think it's <laughs> I think mostly because I'm from Georgia, mm-hmm. and and I've been in most of the places that yeah. you, you'll see on yeah, the show. Yeah, I, uh, I lived in Georgia until I was uh, four and went back there in the summers to see my grandmother. And yeah, just seeing Georgia on film was like, yep, that's Georgia. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. really cool. Uh, we yeah. actually, we named our dog Rick Grimes. That's his, that's his whole, <laughs> his whole name is Rick Grimes. He's a, awesome. he's a collie. It just suits him so well. So it's not Rick, Rick Grimes. Rick Grimes. Um, but yeah, so that that's this affinity that I feel for this character is that uh, that I feel like we probably grew up in a in a similar place. So mm-hmm. I'm definitely rooting for Rick Grimes. So I, I'm wondering when you wake up in that kind of situation and we know what's going on, like what what does that hospital smell like when he ooh, wakes up? You know, it would oh man, it would be rough for sure. Like I'm assuming the power's off, so there's yeah. been no air conditioning. It is. Uh, I mean, it's. Uh, I, I think it's supposed to be around October or November when he wakes up because we start seeing snow by mm-hmm. the next few issues. Um, but it's Georgia, so right. October could still be in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, super like, fucking hot. 
So those those corpses have just been sweltering. It would be putrid. Like you would immediately recognize something was up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, he he gets up out of the bed, and the first thing that happens is he falls. So I'm assuming there's some some atrophy. Yeah, going he's been on there, there for a little while. At, at the very least, he's he's not used his legs for a while. Right, long enough for that wound to heal, which I can assume mm-hmm. took a minute. Yeah. Um, that was a big. It looked on the on the panel looked like a pretty big exit wound. Yeah, at the, yeah. it blew him open. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, we're we're in the hospital and uh, and and you can see he knows that something's not right. I think any person in that situation would uh, would know that something. And, and speaking of the smell, oh my god! Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't take him very long to run into uh, to run into a walker. Right, and this first one, it's not as desiccated as some of the corpses that we'll see later. So, uh, it either hasn't been gnawed on quite as much, or not enough time has passed. Yeah, for it for it to become so rotten. So, what's your take on that? Do you think that Rick just thought he was sick? I yeah, I would think he because. I mean, you know, especially as a cop, he's probably seen people surprisingly mm-hmm. alive in situations where it's like, oh my gosh, I would not think this person would have lived through this. So, yeah, uh, he probably meth's just... a hell of a drug. Exactly. Yeah, so he's probably thinking like, wow, that's crazy, but got to get out of here. But it, it, I mean, I'm looking at it right now, I got it up. It, they did draw it in a way where you could be like, that does maybe just look like a really old man. Yeah. Who's just on the edge of death. Yeah. So he, he like like stumbles into him, I guess, or maybe trying to, to... This one's just kind of shambling. It doesn't look like it's actually trying to attack yeah. him. Um, so when that happens, I think they take a tumble down some steps, and yeah. and that one breaks its neck. Yeah. Uh, which, I, you know, he's aware of. He's cognizant of that. But I guess... I was really trying to put myself in Rick's position. And one thing about The Walking Dead that I noticed, and I think maybe I heard Robert Kirkman say something about this at some point, they exist in a world where nobody has ever seen the undead before. Yes. Is that right. correct? Yeah, zombie is not a word. They they know, they, they don't know George Romero. None of that stuff exists. Okay. So, yeah. And I wonder how far that travels, because the undead is such a... It covers a pretty broad swathe of uh, yeah of creatures. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean that's yeah. It's like mummy, uh, the the uh, you know uh, vampire. Mm-hmm, for you sure. Got all, uh, and then yeah, all sorts of different versions of of what we would consider zombies throughout the world. Yeah. But that's I think the understanding is that Rick has probably never seen what he's seeing. I guess it's never been a concept that he's right been aware of or or thought about at all so yeah if you put yourself in that situation which it's kind of hard for us to do since you know our culture and our media is just saturated with right with uh with zombies and, and horror flicks and what have you but if you had never seen something like that i think your first inclination would probably be that it was a very sick person yeah yeah, um, it's a, and it makes sense. I mean, that you know, uh, someone who has no concept of this is n- is not going to formulate it in the moment. Like they're not going to be like, ah, you know what may have happened? 
someone may have come back to life from death, but they're not really human anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. So his he, he makes it out of the hospital somehow. I think it's really just a fucking miracle that he was able to do that, right. uh, uh, you know, unharmed because he does. He has that row with with one of the walkers. Right. Uh, he encounters others, I think. Um, but he he heads home. And it's on his way home that he sees for the first time what can only be a corpse. Right. That is still alive. Yeah. And I think that's his moment. Uh, they act, they included this on the show, too, if I recall. It was like the bicycle mm-hmm. zombie. And it's in that moment that, okay, whether or not zombies exist in your culture, you know something is seriously fucked up about yeah yeah you can see it's like you can see the rib cage all the intestines are gone and still moving that is definitively something that should not exist yeah and yeah it is unnatural yeah your world has just gone from a little weird to extremely topsy-turvy yeah i love the way that that was demonstrated in the book too because he he sees it he acknowledges it and he tears up Mm -hmm. and he tries to walk away and he can't walk he he literally cannot deal with what he just saw yeah and he stumbles and falls to his knees (laughs) yeah it's it is uh it's well illustrated and really does exactly bring you through the like even if Robert Kirkman hadn't said zombies don't exist in this world, like the mm-hmm. way that the character were being presented goes through this, you, you're pretty clear that this is not normal in his right. world. Like the idea of it, like even, even if you have the idea of it, if you saw something like that, I'm pretty sure it would be devastating, but oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. But just no concept of it. Because, like, I think a lot of us, if we had the experience he had in the hospital, then saw that, would be like, okay, it's zombie rules, I guess. Yeah. And then, like, <laughs> all right, where where weapons? Got to stay yeah. silent. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, I, and it, uh, I always, whenever I see something like this in a film and I try to put myself in that character's mind space, uh, I think back to a time when I worked at a hospital and uh, there, (laughs) if you work at a hospital for any length of time, as I'm sure your wife can tell you, Mm. you're going to see some fucked up stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. (laughs) Yes. She sees fucked up stuff regularly. (laughs) The first time I ever saw like a large amount of blood. um, I mean like a big, splatter yeah. against just gigantic um, yeah like a, you're a like white. holy shit there's that much in us yeah yeah the first time i ever saw that my knees got weak and i mm. felt the color run from my face and i was like mm. oh my god <laughs> <You know>? like, <laughs> it's a very visceral reaction i mean your your body is supposed to react that way yeah uh when you yes. see something like that um because it's like get the fuck out of wherever yeah. you are immediately Things are bad <laughs> this is bad run yeah yeah um, the, so yeah, yeah. I just try to remember that sensation and, and try to, to, you know, put myself in that spot and think this, they're probably feeling something similar. Mm. Uh, the second time was when I, I moved a severed human leg. Ah! And let me tell you, those things weigh a lot more than you think they would. I bet. Uh, dead weight is just 
Yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, but in doing that, I also remember how I felt mm-hmm. <laughs> during that experience. Yeah. And uh, so it, it's it's fun, I guess, to have that experience to, to think about, um, you know, in these situations in, in films and shows yeah. and, and books because it's like you, you always have somebody in the audience where they're like, well, I would have done this. And it's like, no, right. you wouldn't have. It's like, yeah, you don't know the logistics of it. You haven't really considered exactly what that means. Yeah, yeah. you wouldn't have. You would probably get queasy and uh-huh. you you would get the fuck out of Dodge. Yep. Um, or, or get killed immediately. That's those are like the two things that can happen to you. Yep. Um. So yeah. So this happens to Rick, and he's he's not in a good spot at all. Now, he decides that he's going to go home, and he he's headed to the house and. It's abandoned. It looks like it's been ransacked. Yeah. One of the things that just didn't quite sit right with me when I was when I was reading this was that he he didn't seem appropriately upset that there was nobody at his house. Yeah. Did I, I, what, I think what do you think maybe, about that? Yeah. You're right. It it's like maybe he is so devastated by what he's seen up to this point that he mm-hmm. just can't because. I have I have been uh, I actually I don't know if I talked about this last time I was on I I was uh, attacked by a person who robbed my house and I got my neck oh, sliced right. oh god by, yeah by a um what do you call it uh damn it <laughs> what are those things called um, razor knife thingies box, a box cutter. cutter there you go yeah I got my knife uh my neck slit and um I was bleeding like crazy and I was joking as well. And along, like, we lived, luckily, about two miles away from the hospital, so we just jumped in the car and, and headed there. And uh, I was on the line with 911 and, again, was making mm-hmm. jokes. And at a certain point, uh, the lady was just trying to keep me on the line, and I was like, I'm sorry, lady, I'm losing a lot of blood, and you're really annoying me. I got to go. Oh, like, no. Like, your brain just kind of shuts down a lot of stuff when you're right. in these huge, traumatic, stressful moments. So, like, I, I think, because I did read past this, because, I mean just reading the first issue yeah. I was like wow yeah right this is awesome so I, I read the first six issues and it's in the second issue right before he falls asleep when he gets to the camp with them or maybe the third mm-hmm. issue he suddenly rem- like he he suddenly gets scared for the first time because gotcha. he's he's had like everything shut down like he just has all this crazy shit happening constantly when he finally gets in a moment where he can be at peace He's he realizes all the crazy shit that has happened to him. So yeah. maybe yeah, maybe he's just in this super traumatic, like stressed out mode. But yeah, you're right. I think at the very least he would shed a tear. Right? Yeah. Like where are my wife and son? <laughs> yeah, and, and I I think that you're probably right about that. Um that probably that feeling of being so disoriented or feeling like you're in this sort of surreal existence probably does not lend a lot to to rational thought yeah yeah. um so he went home and that was probably the like uh, moving on some base instinct (laughs) yeah (laughs) just like yeah exactly like Um, you you know i think we've all had that experience where you just kind of forget you're driving but you end up home 
Oh yeah, yeah. it happens to me all the time, and it yeah. scares the shit out of me because I'm like, yeah, what the it fuck? does. It does. It's really scary, <laughs> but then it's also like, how does our brain do that? Yeah, yeah, just auto autopilot. Uh, yeah. So he's he's at his house, and this this is an, another one of those great scenes where just out of nowhere, Rick mm-hmm. is blindsided and uh-huh. gets smacked in the back of the head with a shovel. Uh huh. Um, which it's you know he he meets in this scenario Morgan and Dwayne. Yeah. Um, Dwayne's the the young man that uh, that hits him with the shovel or accosts him, and I don't yeah, blame. Luckily, the... it was a little kid. Otherwise, he'd yeah. probably not gotten up. <laughs> nope. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> not at all. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I don't blame the kid one bit. I mean, I would have no. done the same thing. Absolutely. Um, but uh, Morgan becomes uh becomes someone that obviously we become more familiar with as the series progresses but he kind of serves as uh as kind of an anchor that kind of brings rick back to reality a little bit i think um because he has no fucking idea what's going on and and morgan sees this and he kind of says all right so you have no clue and and he does serve as kind of like he explains it to us the readers as he's explaining it to rick um but even then, we don't get a full sense of what's going on. Yeah, because um, he doesn't know. And that, that actually helps us establish a sense of the world because like, there's so little information. Mm-hmm. So much of it is, is like what little they got before everything fell to shit and what they've sort of put together from their own experience. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I think in, in some other... Uh, productions and scenarios you you'll usually have like the the news or someone on the radio that does that for you i think um i think in uh dawn of the dead um Mm -hmm. and also the remake they kind of really relied on that as a uh, as a device yeah night of the living dead as well and what they did really well with night of the living dead and uh dawn of the dead uh romero uh what they're doing on the news is just uh, guessing a lot of the time because yeah. like I think in Night of the Living Dead they say it might be attributed to a comet on mm-hmm. the news and it's like that is uh, I mean we learn later that's probably not the case like then on Dawn of the Dead yeah they're they're like eventually the guy who's talking the expert who's talking basically just loses all of his cool and says like you know we don't know what's happening like it's it is really done well in those movies but then you see it in a lot of movies now and it's like just the explanation of what's happening like right there's yeah. this virus and it comes from this place and this is how it happened and this is why these people are doing this yeah yeah well thanks guys for <laughs> wrapping yeah. that up for us in such thanks. a neat yeah. package. great exposition <laughs> wonderful <laughs> oh man i i do love that though um and I, and I love the way that this unfolds it's been so long since i read it that yeah uh it's almost almost like reading it for yeah. the first time and, and especially if you're doing any type of critical examination of a book you you tend to to view yeah, it you, almost as a first experience you either get a lot more out of it or realize it wasn't as good as you thought yeah <laughs> yep. yeah that is an unfortunate side effect at yeah times. it is <laughs> not this time though no not Luckily. this time i enjoyed it a lot more <laughs> exactly um so so Rick decides that he's going to head to his in-laws that live in Atlanta. Um, that's like his, once he's kind of calmed down a little bit, that's his next plan. Yeah. Smart. Uh, and I, I love the, the way that he asks Morgan if he wants to go shopping. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't, I don't pulls know. pulls up the keys. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so they they go to uh, they go to a police department and uh, basically just stock up on yeah. weapons and ammunition. He gives Morgan yeah. a car, um, and uh, we get the we get the, the the setup. And and it's again it's kind of difficult doing this now because I know that this is the establishment of a relationship that will that will continue in other places um, and in other ways. But one of the things that he says to Morgan, I found to be really interesting. Um, when he says that he's going to Atlanta, he says that he thinks he could get around easier being a cop. And if he looks the part. Um, and I wonder, do you do you think that would work now? Oh, uh, um, I think the distrust of police. Mm, it would. I, I mean, yeah, I think in the South, it would still get you where you're going. Probably dressing up as a cop that's a good call yeah uh but in atlanta itself in atlanta the city probably not no 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 it's not <laughs> i mean if if the if the military has taken over and uh basically established some sort of you know area to keep everybody safe then yeah you're probably going to be able to get in but yeah in general no you're not because yeah there's no, the trust isn't there why right. would you be trusted specifically? Because you would want to hide that, most likely. Absolutely, uh, and yeah. that that was my first thought when I read this. Um, yeah, because it's just it's so, and it wouldn't have been honestly, yeah. you know, a couple of years ago. No. Um, but, yeah, things. Know. Things. I mean, um, honestly, yeah, yeah, definitely in the black community, things have not changed for them. They've always right. experienced exactly what's happening and seen it. But yeah, pe- people in general are starting to really understand uh, and distrust the, the police. So yeah, it, it would be it would be hard. But yeah, again, in the South, that's not as as widespread of a that's, feeling. You see yeah. so so many people with those fucking Punisher uh, thin blue line. Oh things. God. Ugh. <laughs> God, I want to just uh, just want to yeah. make their car not exist anymore. When it's in front of me, when I see it, it'll be like a libertarian tag and then that sticker. And it's like, how are you a libertarian? And also you're like, yeah, thin blue line. That's like the thing you're against. Right. It, it makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. It's the yeah. same reason why the Second Amendment supporters aren't actively yep. working against yep. military and occupation. Have you seen any of them try to explain it? It's basically, you hurt our feelings. Oh, so we're not going to help you, right? <laughs> yeah, and it's okay. like, yeah, you're not helping because you're a coward. <laughs> yeah, I think we got that figured out. Yeah. Um, and, and it's funny you say that, too, because one of the things about The Walking Dead that you that you get into as as the show and the book unfold... Uh, is that this new world strips away who you pretended to be, yep. who you thought you were, mm-hmm. and brings out the person that that's really there. Yep. Um, and I think that is one of the reasons why I love The Walking Dead so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why uh, I think Negan is one of my favorite uh antagonist of all time because he is there at the height of the stripping away like once you've just eliminated it all it comes down to two different types of leadership and it was the more laissez-faire 
type of, of leadership that, that Rick had going on or the strict authoritarian, I get shit done type of Negan thing. And like when they clash, what you, you find is they're not very different. No. And it just leads to so much death. It, it's, it's really just these two dudes swinging their dicks at each other and a pretty bunch much. of people dying because of it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yep. I mean, Rick was a cop. Yep. And I think I think that Rick perhaps just intensifies as a person. Yes, he does. Um, I don't think... Because he's very relaxed. He says he hasn't even shot his gun more than a couple times and never yeah. had a person. Like, yeah. yeah. So I, I don't... that That's the thing about Rick. He He's a bit more stalwart in that he doesn't... Uh, I don't want to say he doesn't have an arc, because he does very much oh, so. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but he he doesn't change in, in such a dramatic fashion. I think that yeah. he, just in intensifying what's already there yeah. is, uh, is where he became, whereas you take someone, uh, like I, well, honestly, um, I think Negan's probably a good example. I mean, mm -hmm. you, you mentioned it, but it's alluded to and never said outright that he was like a, a coach, right. in a high school mm -hmm. or something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so he had a position of authority he had a position of uh, of trying to help people yeah. uh, achieve their best. Yeah, and probably um, doing that in very gruff ways. Yeah, which yeah, is absolutely. very uh, coach like. Yeah, and he, so yeah, if that's the he, case. He's just an intensification of that. Yeah. So yeah, I kind of just I, I think we really just polished each other's points, yeah. <laughs> more or less. <laughs> yeah, but. Great. Uh, um, but yeah, so I mean, you you have the the opposite side of that though, where you have these these big tough guys uh, who are just reduced to to absolute rubble. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying yeah. to think of another really good example uh, of maybe I mean, going the opposite way. I mean, in the in the first six issues, you got Jim, who um, he he's this really tough sort of quiet guy, mm -hmm. but then when uh, the zombies uh, attack he is just smashing one's face and really like becoming very emotional and you can tell that like seeing his family die has just devastated him he is yeah. he's nothing anymore you get the same with shane shane actually says that i'm like he's nothing that he yeah. does he's nothing in this world but a little before uh spoiler alert for a 15 year old comic <laughs> he gets killed in issue yeah. six uh, which is, I, I really like that in the comics and think it makes a great point about what uh, we're saying about how mm -hmm. people get intensified in this world. Shane right. was already on the edge, I think, before. And so he gets, his, he him getting intensified is he's about to kill Rick yeah. to take what he has. He was given permission to be who he already was. Yeah, exactly. And the, mo I mean, uh, the television show, I think plays that out even better. I like how they drug out Shane over uh, two seasons. Sure. So we really got into that character and saw that like, oh no, like this is a world he's prepared for. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and possibly secretly hoped for. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that, and that's fine. You know, I'm, I'm glad that we've kind of gotten into this, uh, this aspect of the discussion because there really isn't much more to the first issue um, yeah he yeah you know, he Rick's, goes back to the the skeleton person. yes and puts yeah. it out of what i think he assumes is its is misery. misery yeah I which again that's probably right i mean yeah 
I would feel that the undead are probably in pain. It's probably just constant pain. I would. I mean, and that's the thing is you don't really know. Yeah, um, no idea. Mm-hmm. Because where does consciousness stop? Right. And, and did death start and vice versa? That's a horrible thing to consider. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, that's not your mom. Well, I mean, it might be. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Like, uh, for instance, yeah, Dead Alive. That's a, that's a good one. Like, oh, Jesus. Uh, where he, he sticks so strongly to trying to keep some semblance of reality that he's got all these dead people yeah. in his house just like trying to make them live a normal life. And I can see that happening. Yeah, um, exa- it's exactly I mean, how I would imagine a lot of people would react to it. Yeah, just, let's just let's just press on. And that's how uh, Herschel Herschel Green he mm-hmm. kind of has that mentality where yep. you know he's not forcing anything, but he's hoping to preserve it. Yep. And that is, you know, it at first blush it looks fucked up, but I can mm-hmm. totally see that happening. Yeah, and and people rationalizing that. Mm-hmm. Um, before we kind of move this on into, I guess, a more a broad conversation or a, a more focused conversation on The Walking Dead in general, do mm-hmm. you have any closing thoughts on the first issue? Um, I, I'd say closing thought basically is that uh, it, it is a, a really smart first issue because it tells a complete story. And if it had mm-hmm. ended at one issue, it would be like, oh, okay. That was an interesting story of a man who wakes up in a zombie world and uh, basically comes to terms with it by the the final panel where he he realizes either this is a person in pain or a, a you know a, just a creature. But either way, I got to kill it. Yeah, which I yeah. think the the fact that they do show those emotions in Rick usually just yeah. by the shedding of a single tear. Yeah, it tells you everything you need to know about this guy. Yeah, for sure. He will he will take care of business, but he fe- mm-hmm. he feels empathy mm-hmm. in doing so, which I think is is wonderful. I, uh, I I think you're absolutely right about it being a very well uh, a very self contained, well told self contained story. I could easily see reading this and like an issue of uh, fantasy and science fiction um, or something like that, and I wouldn't be upset if I read something like that in no. <laughs> fantasy no. and science fiction. Right. Um, but, uh, but that first issue is the, the springboard for a sprawling monthly series and, uh, a television show that from what I understand is still going. I haven't seen 10, I've season seen, 10. I've seen through season eight. I haven't sat down to watch season nine and I know season 10 is either going or has gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think they're probably coming to the end because the comics end at 193, I believe. I I have read 150-ish. I have not read the last 40, so and I, I just reading this made me think, oh, man, I need to reread these. Yeah. So I'm probably going <laughs> to go back and reread them and finish the series finally. Yeah, I was kind of bummed. I didn't pick up... Um... I didn't pick up that infamous issue 192 yeah. when I was in the... Because I, I never read it on a monthly basis, and I didn't really see yeah. a need to add it to my uh, to add it to my pull list. But after I went in the next day, they were like, hey, you remember when you were thinking about picking that up? You should have done it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. fuck. 
Um, so yeah, I definitely want to go back and read that. And there's a new publication that came out this month. Ne- I think it's called Negan Lives. Yeah, um, yeah. Have you read that? No, it's. I know the the basic premise is that ne- it just shows a side story of what's going on with Negan. Uh, and I think the one of the last issues I read was when Negan got out of jail. So I I don't know. Okay. What goes? I do kind of know from reading summaries, but I don't know exactly what's going on. But it's a side story after that. Cool. I yeah. I'm thinking I might let that roll into a, a trade paperback. Um, before I spend money on it, it's hard to say. Yeah. But, uh, but I do love the character of Negan, and yeah, uh, me too. I can't I can't say enough about how much I loved uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan oh, um, man. as Negan. He's just Dude. amazing. <laughs> so good, so scary. Like he, because yeah. like in the comic, I would say Negan is a little more comical. Sure. Uh, but he's still very scary. But like he, he's a little more comical, a little more silly at times. Whereas mm. uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan was just in tense just yeah like it really it was like any scene he was in was uh any scene he was in with rick was just two of them swinging their dicks oh, yeah. at each other it was just like <laughs> wow this is just masculine as hell just toxic yeah. as shit <laughs> well i mean i think that carl jung would probably have a lot to say about yeah, that for sure <laughs> uh, you know and i don't i don't doubt that at all yeah um so, yeah, Negan Negan's an incredible character. Uh, the other one that I wanted to mention when we were discussing how people change in this world, um, Ezekiel. Oh yeah, which I <laughs> I have a lot of respect for that character and Me a lot too. of admiration for that character because I, I I just feel that scenario so much because he wasn't anybody hardly in no. the world, but he was um, important to those tigers. Yes, like yeah. It's it's like uh, being important to a powerful thing makes you important. Yes, and yeah. he took that and and ran with it. Like I mean, he took that ball and ran just about as hard and fast as you could in that scenario. And I just I love the fact that he took that and and became someone that so many people respected. Yeah. Um. And and so many people looked up to. So I I think that in that way that world sort of it brings those things out in people which i i think is a tremendous uh storytelling device and yeah. uh, and yeah. i love it i love it a lot um yeah and hopefully i can get caught up <laughs> i think that the allure of dystopian zombie stuff like this where we're actually seeing the world created by this is actually really alluring to most of us in uh, America, where wealth inequality is so bad that, like, I mean, uh, in the, in the first six issues, you get Glenn talking about how much debt he was in before yeah. the world collapsed, and how happy he is to escape that, but how much he he would take that back on if we could have that old world. And I think a lot of people get the first half of what he says, right. But disagree with the second half. Yeah. We're, we're kind of like, you know what? I'd be cool with that. I'd be yeah. cool with that if if I didn't have to be a part of that world anymore. But yeah, I think the reality of it would change our minds. I think The Walking Dead got darker and made people lose that fantasy, which is yeah. why a lot of people kind of fell off on the TV series because it, it it was no longer a fantasy anymore. It was like, oh, this is what would really happen. Right. It would, After a time, it would for be sure. bad. Yeah. <laughs> 
And and that's the interesting thing to me is that I I found that the the people that seem to pine for and I'm only I'm, I don't want to speak in too general a statement so I'll only refer to people that I know and have spoken to. Uh, it it seems that part of that allure um, is the uh, is the idea of of having a lot of guns and ammunition yeah. and things like that. I mean I yeah. You know, I'm speaking about some of my family members from from mm-hmm. back home. I mean, people that you know, I don't, I don't think are are uh, harmful or bad, but that's kind of the mentality. No. When that's the world they already kind of live in sure. in their head. I yeah. think the the reality though is that you're going to be so much better off by working with people um, mm-hmm. and trying to establish some kind of of community and and yeah. mutual good because you are going to run out of bullets. Yep. Um, and even if you don't, the chances of you fucking up somewhere, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, uh, you know, it's gonna happen. I mean, anything it's gonna can happen. happen. Yeah, um, that world is is not it's not a good one to live in for sure. We all want wealth inequality to go away. Let's just say zombie is not the best way for that no, to happen. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah. It isn't. Yeah. And and I I'll say this too because I think it, it dovetails into. A point I was going to make about the uh, the attraction factor yeah. of, of some characters, uh, like Daryl Dixon, mm-hmm. uh, played by Norman Reedus, very popular yeah. with the ladies. Um, yeah, and, attractive. Uh, dude. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But um, let me just run this by you real quick. Let me put this Let's bug in your ear. How does Daryl smell? Oh, God. <laughs> does he? He's always just wearing that leather vest yeah. and. Just, and, uh, yeah, oof. I'm not okay, and I'm not picking on Daryl either. I'm when I say everybody how does Daryl smell, smell? I mean everybody. Everybody yeah. would smell. Yeah. And 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 riddle me this, comic fan. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, if you're looking forward to this reality so much, have you ever gone camping for an extended period of time? Oh, we'll we'll say backpacking, um, because this is where the scenario yeah. is, is more likely to happen. Backpacking, mm-hmm. and you run out of toilet paper. Oh man. Um, or, or any, I your mean, toilet any paper. Of the elements of yeah. going backpacking for a long yeah. period of time. How gross you feel after a while. Yeah, but that How one much specifically. You miss just air conditioning. <laughs> That's one that you don't think about. You you yeah. take toilet paper. For, well, shit, we just saw it uh, when all the toilet paper disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's something you really take for granted. So if you really, if you're really looking forward to this, then I urge you to go on that excursion without toilet paper. Ugh. Come back and report to me how, yeah. how much you're looking forward Ugh. to the end of the yeah. world. It just sounds terrible. It sounds terrible yeah. in general. I yeah, I don't want it. I want uh, I want I want change. I don't want uh, the world to fall to shit. No. That just sounds terrible to me. It does. Oh Jesus! Well, I you know what I think that uh, I think this has been a pretty good conversation, Steve. I'd say so. You know, like I said, it uh, not a lot to talk about in the first issue of anything, and there never is. Um, <laughs> this this should be the second episode, I think, of Number One Wednesday. Um, like I said, I'm sitting on these, and I think once I get a decent number, I'm going to start pumping them out. But I okay. want to get them out as soon as possible. Okay. Um, so that will happen, happen very soon. I, um, right. I want to, I want to read you something that I found though, uh, because typically whenever I talk to somebody who I haven't, um, necessarily had on a number of times or, yeah. uh, or in, in the case of, uh, you know, speaking to a professional, I try to try to do my research. So I, I know, um, you know, kind of what they're about. And, uh, mm-hmm. I couldn't remember 
which university you said you taught at. So uh-huh. I took it upon myself to look it up. And okay. uh, so that's how I, you know, I was able to confirm that it was the University of Tennessee. And I have here um, an excerpt or, or a, a log from ratemyprofessors.com. Oh, shit. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh no, I've never read these. I don't I don't read reviews of anything, but let's Okay. Hear okay, so I'm going to read I'm just going to read one and it's it's at the top. Um you got a 5.0. That was the quality oh, rating. Um and we don't have a name here, but it says he's hilarious and very intelligent. I really enjoyed his class and I learned a lot. Plus he's super cute. If you do your work and go to class, just like any class, you'll do good. I say yep. two thumbs up. Hey, that was all true. <laughs> that but is yeah. absolutely true. So, so there you go. RateMyProfessor.com. Wow. Well, that's good. I, that's the only one I ever want to hear about because, good God, I'm scared. I know <laughs> I, I failed some people that think that they deserved uh, a good grade, but it's like, dude, you didn't turn in any of the assignments. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't ever want to do that again, by the way. Grading people is the worst thing in the world. That's what I've heard. Um, my is. brother and sister were TAs at the University of Georgia, and oh, they, yeah. they know that if if they tell me a few tales, they'll always get a good chuckle out of me. Um, <laughs> so so I, I, I know that's got to be the worst thing ever. Um, it is. It's bad, especially when you like the kid and then they don't do the work. And oh. then, like, you try real hard, like, come on, I could tell you could do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's yeah, too bad. It's tough. Well, I thought that would be, uh, I thought that Thanks, that would man. be a good thing for you to know. Uh, maybe raise your spirits a little bit if you just, yeah, for if you sure. left that without, you know, such a good feeling. Um, oh, man. There you go. But uh, now Ben is going to read the bad ones on, on the show. Oh, no. <laughs> Well, all right. Well, I can always take that out if you don't want me to. No, don't. Uh, so don't. That's awesome. Put that out into the world. But um, <laughs> but yeah, thanks so much, Steve, for, for coming back and, and doing this. I, I really hope that that uh, these these mini-sodes will continue, and uh, hopefully you'll be back for more of them. Oh, absolutely. Take care. It's good talking to you. That's it. Thanks to all y'all for listening, and another thank you to Hollywood Steve for dropping in to school us on the undead and jaw with me about that sweet-ass issue number one from Colonel Tony Moore and Robert Kirkman. Tune in next time when I'll be discussing Captain Marvel number one by Kelly Sue DeConnick. Y'all take care. <laughs>